Welcome to Best Me Radio. I'm your host, Carl Hammington, and I talk to experts in many areas, including movement, psychology, nutrition, as well as other inspiring people who have done extraordinary things, all in an attempt to provide you with the information, inspiration, and tools that will empower you to step into the best version of yourself. Welcome back, Best Me listeners, and apologies for the delay in episode releases recently. We've had a very challenging time in our house recently, so finding time to create episodes has been a little bit challenging. In saying that, I'm back and have a very exciting lineup coming your way, so stay posted. I hope you enjoyed the episodes uh, recently with Paul Check. Um, I know I've had plenty of good feedback about them and plenty more questions, so um, it was a very thought-provoking couple of episodes. Now, if you're into movement and you're up for a bit of a laugh, then this episode is definitely for you. Uh, I connected with this guy online originally and then in person at the Wellness Summit in Melbourne last year, where we both went on stage in bare feet and spoke in bare feet, obviously something we're both passionate about. However, he basically knows a heck of a lot more about feet than myself, and this is obvious in his pseudonym, The Barefoot Podiatrist. Now, in this episode, we talk about what the foot is what its primary role is and its secondary roles, how we can actually assess our own feet. He gives us practical exercises around this. Um, how can we go about attaining ideal foot function? And we have some really interesting and passionate discussions around bunions, very exciting subject for, in my opinion, uh, shoes, uh, orthotics, and also just movement and whole body movement in general how feet affect movement through the rest of the body and how the rest of the body affects movement through the feet. Um, and we even go into microbiome and the endocrine responses around feet as well. So basically our feet affects everything. Uh, like I said before, I thought I knew a lot about feet, but I really didn't until um, I really started to go over the information uh, me and Paul uh, chatted about in this episode. So I learned a lot and I hope you do too. And make sure you check out his pages. There are a lot of uh, exercises on there and daily tips um, that are easy to apply and also a lot of fun. Please enjoy. Hi, my name is Paul Thompson. I'm the barefoot podiatrist. And as the title probably gives away, I am a podiatrist. I've been a podiatrist now for around 12 years. And I specialize in human gait patterns, so helping people move more efficiently, especially in, in walking um, and rebuilding people from the ground up. But my passion is getting people to build a body that supports itself rather than having a body that relies on support. And it's been my career mission to get people out of orthotics. So that's a quick rundown of who I am and what I do. I'm also a father to two young children. So I take huge amounts of passion from learning a lot of my movement skills from my young children and watching how they move and develop. I think we can take so much uh, away from how kids move. And, yeah, I also surf and, and snowboard. Um, but as you can probably tell from and will learn from this this chat, my passion is definitely around feet and foot function and how that affects our movement. Which is absolute music to my ears. So, <laughs> welcome to the show, Paul, and thanks for coming on. No worries. Thanks for having me. Um, so, just a little bit of background. Uh, you obviously haven't always been known as a barefoot podiatrist. You know, when did that title sort of 
um, come about and how did it how did it get there? What led you to become the, the barefoot podiatrist? Um, no, it's on my birth certificate. I've always been. Yeah, it's my middle name. Um, look, I, I I started podiatry um, just because I wanted to get into a field where I could help people in the health space. Mm-hmm. Um, I had been to a podiatrist as a child, um, had been put in orthotics, and so kind of got into podiatry uh, that way. And for many years, I did the traditional podiatry approach, um, which is generally putting people into orthotics, into more structured shoes mm. as a way of helping them um, get out of pain and, and essentially move and better. But for many years, I kind of struggled with this approach, um, not because I didn't understand what I had to do, like I was you know, making good orthotics and getting people out of pain, that wasn't the problem. I just found that I didn't feel like I was really fixing the problem and that kind of bothered me. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm a little bit OCD in that respect that I yeah, I kind of like to know that I'm doing all I can to, to fix that underlying problem. So um, I kind of then later on, I stopped doing a lot of biomechanics in my practice for, for many years um, just because I wasn't wasn't feeling it. So I just sort of went back to general podiatry and, mm. you know, the, the skin-type conditions and that was fine. But I've always had this underlying urge to to find why I had to put people in orthotics, I guess, and how I could mm. get them back out of it. And it all, I guess it really started with, with myself um, in that, when I had my my first son, I don't know. I just remember, you know. I mean, I've had a few injuries over the years, different knee uh, injuries, and just the general aches and pains that you tend to get, and you know, lower back issues. And <laughs> the answer was always mm. orthotics. Mm. But I remember when my son was born, just thinking, like, I can't keep doing this. Like, I won't be able to play. You know, like chasings and stuff like yeah, all the things you want to do as a father, right? <laughs> yeah, like I'm feeling old, you know. And I was at that at that time, I was um, just under thirty. Yep. I was like, wow, like what's going to happen in you know ten years' time? Mm. Like this is this isn't working for me. So that kind of led me to start looking into different, um, I guess, treatment options and techniques that were definitely outside the scope of. Well, not, not outside the scope. It's definitely in my scope, but yeah. um, outside the norms, I guess, of uh, podiatry and what podiatrists would tend to do. And that started with, yeah, like looking at a barefoot approach. And at that time, um, Nike Free and the Vibram Five Fingers were kind of big. Yeah. So I gave that a crack. And that didn't last all that long. It looked cool, <laughs> yeah. especially the Nike Freeze, and I was pretty into all the colors. And yeah. but I found that um, I found my feet probably felt a little bit stronger. But yeah, my my knee definitely didn't like that. My lower back would probably flare up a little bit more often. Yeah, you know, I didn't have my orthotics in, and I was I was having to use my body more. <laughs> um, so then I went back to the orthotics and. It just, I just had this underlying urge to still keep looking. And then I started learning how to retrain 
muscles and the body and and really started to look into gait patterns and human development patterns at a deeper level and realized that what I was actually missing was retraining my body. I'd trained my body for years to become accustomed to orthotics and um, to move a certain way. So the missing piece I realized was I had to um, fix these patterns that I'd created and by doing so meant that it became a lot easier to then go barefoot and I found that that transition became a lot was quicker will actually work this time and you know it's now been it's like an aa meeting isn't it yeah, you know, yeah let it all out <laughs> on shoes um, <laughs> but yeah so i don't i can't really wear normal structured shoes anymore so mm. the long answer to all this i mean the short answer is <laughs> that i guess i became the barefoot podiatrist because now i don't tend to wear shoes i try and encourage people yeah. to get a, get away from that structured, over-supportive, mm. over-cushioned type of footwear because I strongly believe that it you know, it causes problems. I know it yeah. causes a lot of movement but um, we're, dysfunction. We're not, we're not born with shoes on our feet, are we? <laughs> not most of us, no. Yeah. <laughs> Probably none of us. Hopefully. <laughs> but <laughs> someone will prove me wrong, I'm sure. But, mm. yeah, no, we're not. And and I think that's the, the key that we need to tap into using our feet and Mm. and letting the feet um, connect to our whole body. Um, and that's yeah, essentially why I've become the right. barefoot. Right. Oh, and taking barefoot. So you're sort of solving your own issues. Um, that's what sort of um, uh, provoked that uh, that route anyway, to an extent. Definitely. And, and there was also the patients that I was seeing yeah. that it was that kept pushing me as well, that yeah. you know, I had people who were quite interested in what I was um, showing them every step of the way that, you know, oh, I've learned this, like, you know, you guys yeah. should try this. And people were, yeah, getting better and pains were going away yeah. um, quicker and people just, were, I, could, I could visibly see them moving better and yeah. to me that was a huge win. Yeah. I, I can relate to a lot of that and uh, as a, you know, question I've had for many years as well like, and, and movement and, and the way society is set up today is um, – you know, we're sort of moving away from uh, being human to an extent. So mm. um, let's just go into discussing, if you can just let us know how important the foot actually is and what its role is, because I feel like we have, um, we've sort of reinvented uh, what our feet are. We've changed that whole uh, belief system around the foot because now we do shoe up whenever possible. Yeah, so... Normal foot function is when the foot <laughs> connects with our body, basically. Um, there are lots of nerves in the feet that give constant feedback to the brain, telling us what's happening between the brain and the ground. Mm. Um, so that then helps fire you know, muscles and, and things at the right time and help us react quicker and helps with balance and proprioception mm. um so the foot like good foot function um at a holistic level is about giving constant feedback yep. to the body and helping us react quickly and yep. you know and but from a localized point of view the foot it needs to get into lots of different positions and not only react to different positions or different terrain but it needs to go from 
a like mobile adapter, which yeah. is when the foot's hitting the ground, it can absorb shock and sort of flatten out a little bit and and work with the terrain underneath, or you know, go over rocks or um, contort into sand or whatever it needs yeah, to do. Yeah. But then, for a good functioning foot, and what I see commonly uh, doesn't happen is that when the foot should be starting to uh, stiffen up and lock um, itself, so first it adapts to the ground, then as we start to load the foot and, and start to wind up the big toe you know, for the next step or for whatever we're doing, the foot will um, lock itself to create a really rigid um, base that we yeah. can propel out of with efficiency. So if you yeah. start trying to propel off an unlocked foot, it just means everything's having to either work harder or you end up compensating and and throwing alignment and joint centration out the window. Mm. So for a good functioning foot, it needs to yeah be able to lock and unlock at the right times. Um, the arch should be firing and, and unfiring at certain times. Yep. There should be good mobility, so we need you know everything from the big toe through the midfoot through to the ankle right up through you know, knees, hips, mm. obviously. So it um, literally can change the mechanics of your entire body. 100%. Yeah. You know, a, a stiff big toe can change the way your hip functions. Mm. Um, and stiff big toes are becoming really common because of the footwear yeah. we now use. And you mentioned that we've changed the way that we view feet and, you know, that we do need to shoe up yep. all the time. And, and part of that's a social status thing <laughs> in that, you know, it's normal to wear shoes and you yeah. get funny looks if you don't. Um, yeah. And it's become this mindset of that we need to protect the feet from harmful objects, <laughs> obviously, and germs and, and all these things that, um, you know, some of which can be um, fair. Like, you know, I mean, if you're running around in a glass or you're in an area that there's, there is dangerous <laughs> things on the ground, then by yeah. all means, Shoes can be really Time effective, yep. you know, they've, and they've helped us get around to parts of the world we would have never got to yep. without shoes. They're really cold areas, really hot areas, you know. Yep. It's, it's helped humans travel. Yeah. Uh, but this over-supportive, over-cushioned type of shoe that's been manufactured by um, the big footwear industries, it's changing posture. It's changing the way the foot functions at a, a basic human movement level that – you know, it's no wonder, yeah. like, things, you know, it's this roll-on effect that you change the foot. It's like, it, mm. it blows me away that, you know, people haven't sort of linked the dots that, uh, yeah. you know, since we've started to wear more cushion-supportive shoes back around the 70s is when yeah. it's really started to ramp up. Yeah. You know, you look at um, the orthotic industry, it's boomed. Um, people are chasing more supportive shoes now. So, the, the footwear industry is boomed. Yep. more knee hip replacements like <laughs> yeah. it's just is it coincidence like maybe but <laughs> i think it's like we're changing how we move you know you don't you wouldn't walk around with a, a hip brace on all day if you didn't need it <laughs> but yet we walk around with a, yeah. a a brace on our foot day in day out even if we don't necessarily need it and i think that's the big disconnect at the awesome. moment is that shoes can be really amazing for for treating certain things and by all means use them as a kind of a cast or a crutch 
Another um, tool. And, yeah, another tool. But, you know, I think the aim as humans should be that we can function without support. We should be trying to um, work towards not needing, you know, the brace. And yeah. But, you know, however there's big footwear industries driving heavy marketing, it's it's quite a, a challenging battle to to change that, but but hopefully, you know, some people today who are listening in will yeah look into some of this and start to maybe one at a time look yep. look at what footwear's what, what it's doing at a basic yeah. level. Yeah, I think um you know you brought up how how smart the feet are basically. You know, I've got about, mm. if I, correct me if I'm wrong, but about is it 33 joints, about a quarter of the bones in the body, and mm. almost as many proprioceptors as your hands and your lips. Um, yeah. So that's a pretty smart piece of uh, technology we've got in the bottom of our our body. These little uh, you yeah. know, sensory pads that literally, if we reduce it down to the most basic purpose, is to interact with the environment and the earth. You know, um, mm-hmm. you wrap them up in shoes and you you bind them up. It's kind of like one of my mentors and or one of my uh, a, a movement guru in Wellington. He says that. Um, it's like wearing boxing gloves on your hands and trying to operate uh, from day to day, normal day to day activities. It just doesn't make any sense. Well, it doesn't. And another way of looking at it is like the feet are one of our major kind of sensory organs, um, mm. I guess you could call them. Yeah. And I can't remember who I was talking to someone, and they raised a really good. Um, point that you know i've heard the whole like the glove analogy before and hmm. you know i'll use different types of analogies but one that i heard um, not that long ago was that the the feet are you know that important it's like taking your eyes away so if you were to walk around blindfolded all day hmm. you can still do that but you will still be able to move and people do you know that, that do have vi- vision impaired you can get around but you're obviously compensating to a certain degree you'll yeah. need either some aids to help with that over time or um, you'll need to use other parts of your body to to help out. So you'll use your hands or whatever to to feel your way around the world. And the same thing happens with our feet. When we start putting our blindfolds on our feet around the nerves, we we lose a big part of a big bit of feedback Mm. to the brain. The brain needs those little eyes on our feet, the nerves in our feet to be to be saying like, okay, this bit's a bit rocky or this is doing that. Cool, let's fire these muscles at this time and that'll keep us balanced mm. and, and upright. We start dampening some of that and all of a sudden you have to use muscles a lot differently. Like, yes, you'll still function and can walk and run and jump and hop and, you know, it feels lovely because you've got this padded cushioning under your feet. But there's other things then going on to help you get around the world um, and staying upright that are kicking in to help out for that loss of feedback we're getting. So the feet are very smart and as humans, we're not very smart <laughs> because we're not using those smart bits of equipment anymore. We know yeah. we could be tapping into such huge potential by um, using and, and activating those nerves in the feet and, yeah. and connecting like it not only helps from a postural point of view but mentally so much goes on when you're walking around. Yes. Um you know, starkers on the feet. Yeah, that it can help with. Um, yeah, lots of things, brain-wise too. Yeah. So yeah, maybe I'm so just glad conscious, you said that. Conscious movement. Yeah, 
Now, I've, I've, um, I interviewed Dr. Tracy Alloway last year, and we talked a little bit about mm. this, but it even improves um, working memory, which is a, yeah, a very strong predictor of intelligence. You know, it's, it's amazing, incredible. hey? Yeah. And as we know, our, our mutual friend, uh, Dr. Brett Hill, he, um, yep. he's a big fan also, and he talks about even the endocrine you know, side effects. So, you know, yeah, redu- right. reduction in anti-inflam- uh, anti- uh, inflammatory hormones, sorry, and increase in, in happy hormones. So there's many yep. reasons why we, we, you know, it can benefit us. Oh, massively. Mm. And look, I mean, from a chemical point of view in the body too, like, and it's not so much just going barefoot, the benefit of barefoot, um, you know, there's there's energy type um, yeah. benefits to it from the, the earth. But, yeah. But from a postural point of view, having your feet flat on the ground helps the body get into more of a, I guess, restful state. As soon as you start lifting the heel off the ground a little bit, which most shoes have a slight heel, and then most shoes have a little bit of a ramp at the front of the toes to help mm-hmm. um, with like sort of a rocker of the shoe just because of the way shoes are made. Yep. What that does, though, is starts to wind the big toe up, which at a postural level can change everything mm. <laughs> and the way the foot functions, but... From a chemical level, I had a, a chat again recently with a kinesiologist who was telling me that when you start overactivating the big toe, it's linked to our adrenal system and our fight mm. or flight. Sympathetic nervous system, yeah. Yeah, so you end up, but the, but the body doesn't know any different. It just knows that you've wound the big toe up, it's been wound up for a bit, that, oh my goodness, like that's the big red button, we're about to mm. run, we're about to be chased by something. So it can start to initiate more of that fight or flight reaction oh, as well. That makes complete sense. I've never heard that, but that yeah. totally makes sense. No, I, I want to chat more to her about it because when she was telling me it, to me it made sense because mm. I know the posterior chain is linked to fight or flight. It's obviously yeah. we need that to run away um, from a primal point of view. But, yeah, if you're kind of winding it up unnecessarily, the body doesn't know the difference. It just mm. knows. It's the same as stress, right? Like yeah. you can be stressed at work, but your body thinks you're being – you know, that a, a lion's just walked into the room. It doesn't differentiate doesn't, between no, the different no. stressors, yeah. It just goes, oh, okay, we're in trouble. Let's, yeah, let's really, breathe shallow. Really and, and, yeah, so that's something else to kind of think about too, that, you know, just getting barefoot helps to relax the big toes, get the heels mm. back on the ground and just start to, you know, and there's other things you need to do, obviously, if you are yeah. um, have, a, you know, adrenal and sort of fight yeah, or flight. but that's another thing over, we can take into account. Activity, but it's another thing that can help just, relax the body and Mm. and put it back into a more restful state. That makes complete sense. Mm. (laughs) Great. Now, um, we sort of talked about what normal foot function is um, and we talked a little bit about dysfunction, but, um, you know, I I think a lot of people understand a couple of principles. Postural adaptation is one, which we sort of discussed, Mm -hmm. and use it or lose it is the other one. Um, Mm. I feel like we don't apply that very often to feet. We apply it to the rest of our body, maybe maybe even our mind at times as well, mm-hmm. but not so much the feet. So my question is, how is dysfunction observed uh, in clinic for you, or how could someone at home uh, know if they've got a dysfunctional foot or feet? Yeah, okay. So my views changed on this probably over the last couple of years. Um, traditionally from a podiatry point of view and just from like a home um, self-observation point of view, yeah. um, foot dysfunction can be as simple as 
the arch is really flat, um, toes squished together, you know, things like deformities like bunions, um, bones that are kind of bulging where they shouldn't be bulging can be signs that there's dysfunction and, and misalignment in the foot that will have an effect on how the foot functions. Yeah. Um, but for me, and even just the way you stand. So quite often foot dysfunction can result in people standing with more of like a duck footed standing posture, um, as a way of compensating for foot dysfunction. Um, but yeah, for me now, I kind of tend to look more at movement patterns in that from a dysfunction point of view, like, you know, and one thing you can do right now, like, you know, stop the recording if you want to go and do this yep. and then come back is get in front of a mirror and shoes off, stand in front of the mirror, stand on one foot and see what happens. Like, can you maintain and try not to overthink it when you first um, do this. So, you know, if you're going to do it, just sit, stand in front of the mirror um, on one foot, try and bring you know, the foot that's off the ground, bring that knee up to about belt height so it's in front of you and just observe what's going on. You know, don't ever think it, just look what's going on. You know, even take a photo of yourself. Then what you're you looking for on is, Instagram. Yeah, post on Instagram, <laughs> tag me in it, <laughs> tag Carl in it. <laughs> um, we'll let you know what's going on. <laughs> um, but, yeah, you know, do the hips stay in a neutral position or do you find one hip hitches up or, or sort of drops down? Does the knee cave in? Does the foot roll in and collapse on itself? Um, you know, do you start to develop what looks to be a bunion? And, you know, you might have a, a normal-looking foot, but as soon as you stand on one leg and kind of look down, does that toe, be toe, is it creeping across towards the others? Um, mm. Is your foot quite shaky? But they're simple signs that, there is an imbalance there. There's a foot dysfunction because you need to remember that walking is predominantly done on one leg. And walking is something we do, mm-hmm. you know, five to 10,000 times a day, regardless of how fit you are or how much gym training you do and all these things. If you don't walk well, you're doing yourself a disservice because you're creating more wear and tear and muscle imbalances yep. than you need to. So a simple single leg stance test Um can show so much because if you can't stand on one leg for you now around 10 seconds with good stability, um, good arch control, good hip control, keeping the knee a little bit soft so don't lock the knee out, yeah. then you need to remember every step that you're taking is essentially doing all those bad patterns mm. and the other muscles are having to kick in to try and um, help like stop some of that if, if they do at all. Otherwise, you end up with you know, all the aches and pains of, you know, from big toe pain to arch pain, heel pain, knee pain. So that's a really simple one you can look at. Um, I also look at the way people walk. So um, my favorite way to check foot dysfunction is gait assessments. So people will, you know, on video them or Mm. whatever and and just assess where the breakdown is um, in that walking pattern and what we might need to work on to fix not only the foot but also the other other parts that help the foot because remember it's one body yeah <laughs> like the yeah. foot is one part of it but the foot's only a small part that plays its role and if the hips and the 
um, you know, the core and yeah. breathing patterns aren't helping the foot do what it needs to do, the foot has to work harder and eventually will become dysfunctional just because it wears out. I'm so glad you said that. It's such a healthy, healthy um, approach, I think. Like you can't not look at the whole yeah. body, right? Like it's yeah. it's one being, and if one thing's off, yeah. you know, as simple as your breathing patterns can be off, it can throw <laughs> everything out. You know, like I said, yeah. the big toe can be off. Yeah, that can throw everything out. So yeah. by all means, look at the part that looks dysfunctional or is is sore, but you still need to look holistically at context. Yeah, yeah. You know, what am I doing that might be also driving this this bad movement or this dysfunction? No, that's great. Um, I feel like, you know, as a society we have, I think we're starting to pull out of it now, but we've sort of broken everything down into into segments and we've addressed uh, mm-hmm. one thing at a time as opposed to the whole being. So yeah, so nice to hear that. And I think, I hope that people listening as well um, understand that there are, you know, some great podiatrists like like Paul out there that actually, you know, address you as an individual and a, and a whole being and not just a um a, a bunion <laughs> <laughs> that's right <laughs> on that note actually um have you got any comments around you know there's a couple of things here around bunions actually so yeah. bunions being a genetic issue um and also uh, bunion operations so you know you've got a you've got a lump sticking out the side of your foot let's just let's trim it off um mm. what, what are your thoughts around that so look you know I personally, and this is just my opinion, like there's lots of opinions out there, but I don't think bunions are all that hereditary. Mm. I think the hereditary component is that you may have learned to walk or move like your predecessors yes, did. Yes, exactly. Uh, that was yeah. my gut feeling as well. I'm so glad you said that. That's fantastic. Yeah, look, I mean. <laughs> it's made me so happy. If you were born with it, like, you know, you can get juvenile bunions yeah like maybe there's some kind of um family deformity that some is being passed yeah being passed down but for the most of it like you know like <laughs> I'll, I'll look at people coming into the clinic and they'll say to me oh it's hereditary and they're in, you know, like they move terribly they're loading yeah over the inside of the big toe and pushing the toe over anyway yeah and they're in like these pointy shoes and Doing yeah. everything possible to to grow a bunion, yep. and you're just like, well, regardless of whether it's hereditary, like, yeah, your parents might have had one, but like, you've done nothing to help yourself here. Like, <laughs> you have actually planted the bunion seed, put fertilizer on it, <laughs> and and now you're blaming your parents. Like, no way. Like, that's great. I think that so could be like, the quote you know, of the show. <laughs> planting bunion seeds yep don't plant the bunion seed <laughs> no don't and especially don't put fertilizer on it oh no. horrible <laughs> so <laughs> look bunions are it's a deformity okay it's not a growth there's also a misconception that bunions are a growth on the side of the toe a, a bony growth it's not like bone can develop there and calcify but it's in response to a deformed joint. Into a repetitive so, stress, isn't it? Yeah. So quite often, um, you know, the bunion part that you see on the side of the big toe is the symptom, but quite often what I'll find with people who have bunions, um, and this is generalizing, there's obviously rules to the, you know, exceptions yeah, to the yeah, rules. of course. But, um, up in the midfoot can be really dysfunctional and, and that's where some of the changes started to occur in that the 
the foot's lost stability and like all our foot wants to do is be stable. That's its one role in life is mm-hmm. to adapt to the ground, become stable so that we can stand upright. Yeah. Uh, when the foot starts to become unstable, then the foot will do weird things and one of which is it kind of splays the first metatarsal um, inwards, so away from the other metatarsals. So that's the bones in the middle of the foot, the long yeah. bones. They start to go, that one goes away from the other ones. And then the big toe starts to creep back in closer to the other toes um, to try and almost create more stability and roll off over the inside of the foot. But the problem with that is it obviously causes the bunion and makes it hard to wear shoes and causes pain. But yeah, look, it's, it's, I'm going to back my hospital, back myself here and say it's not hereditary. Yeah. It's to do with instability in the foot. Um, and you know, it's a deformity. It's, it's not a, um, not something that you generally would pass. No, that makes complete sense to me as well. Yeah. Um, that's great. I was hoping you'd say that, but you know, you never know. Oh, and surgery. You mentioned surgery. Yes. So look, um, personally, in clinics, depending on how bad it is, yeah. if, you know, we'll normally get some scans and just check um, the actual structure of the joint. Um, if it's kind of fused and the B-toe doesn't move much and there's lots of pain, then, you know, I guess surgery can be an option and yeah. it's, it's something that I personally don't, you know, encourage my clients to rush into because once yeah. you have surgery, it's really hard to undo surgery. Yeah. And surgery of the foot doesn't generally create function. Yeah. <laughs> it can cause more dysfunction because you end up with screws and, you know, muscles get changed and, and all sorts yeah. of things yeah. during the process. But from a pain point of view, yeah, like if it's the last option and it's, and it's going to help with the mobility of the patient, then yeah. for sure you're going to look into that option. But there are other options um, around helping to like mobilize the toe joint, create stability through the foot, uh, make sure the hips are functioning well so that, the, again, the foot isn't having to work as hard as it needs to. You know, things like toe spaces can be a great option. Um, yeah, there's yeah. lots of okay. conservative options toes. first before – heading down the surgical path. Yeah, no, that's great. So um, in terms of uh, orthotics, if we move on to that now, this is actually, mm. I've got a couple of questions from some of the listeners as well. Um, okay. Amy asked um, whether, you know, do, do you have to be bound to your orthotics for, for life um, and, or is there another approach? Can we actually retrain our foot to operate properly and so we can eventually get rid of the orthotics? What's your opinion on that? Um, I've got rid of my orthotics. Yeah. I was in them as a, as a child. Um, and thanks for the message, Amy. Thanks for listening in. Um, <laughs> look, it's definitely, I, I do it every day. Like I yeah. get people out of orthotics. It's what I aim to do. Like, um, and I'll admit not everyone is cut out for it. Yeah. In that they're either not committed, <laughs> committed to the yeah. cause. Yeah. Um, because to get back on top of foot function requires um, quite often a change in lifestyle and being more conscious about how you're moving and doing some drills and exercises to retrain the body. And if 
you're not willing to put in some effort, then, yeah, like, of course it's not going to Great. get better and you will be bound to your orthotics. Um, yeah. But there also are some people that just, you know, you better have, off just to keep that stability there and, yeah. Yeah, but some people just have structural issues that do require um, help and assistance yeah. and always will, but it's about being assessed and, even the people that I put in orthotics, which you know, I don't do a lot of orthotics, I definitely try and avoid them. Yeah. Everyone I put into an orthotic, we either have an exit plan of if you want to get out of them, here's yeah. what we need to do. Yeah. Up to you when you want to do it, let me know. Yeah. Um, or for the people that, yeah, there is, you know, major structural issues and it's like, look, you know, the conversations kind of, you know, more around, you're probably going to be in these for, a long time, if not forever, forever. but the orthotic's still not going to create function. We're just changing some of the structure of the foot to help you out. Yeah, I still encourage people like that to do exercises to still create better function and the orthotics are just used as a tool um, to help with some of the structural problems of the foot. Yeah, so, perfect. So, yeah, yeah, hopefully that answers your question. But, no, yeah, by exactly, all, yeah, you can definitely get out of orthotics. Like, yeah. 100%. Yeah, so Matt asked, uh, you pretty much just answered that question, but Matt asked, um, do you ever prescribe orthotics uh, on a temporary basis for some people? Um, just wondering if there is a place for them in, a, in certain situations, and I'm pretty sure you just answered that. Yeah, there's definitely a place for, for orthotics. Yeah. Um, they're just overused, over-relied upon, over-prescribed um, by a lot of practitioners and and it's kind of become the go-to for the world, right? Like you can go to the chemist and buy or pharmacist and buy orthotics off the shelf now, like, and people yeah. do because they've got sore feet. Um, so, yes, I do. I try not to. I'll quite often do everything in my power to treat people conservatively first, you know, get the pain under control and then start working through foot function and whole body function. Yeah. Um, but... Yeah, there's still people that will come in and just they couldn't be bothered or they're not at the you know, the place in their life that they're ready to hear what I have to say. Yeah. For those people I'd I'd rather know that they're getting around safely and out of pain. So of by all means I would, you know, still help them yeah. achieve that with an orthotic. Of course. Um, that's great. Um Thanks for that. That's good to hear how that's it right. actually physically materializes because you never really know. So that's that's perfect. And it's good to see you 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 keep a really wise uh, and open mind, you know, because obviously there are situations that do require you know use of that technology. Um, mm, you're not blinded cool. just by one idea. It's, that's awesome. So, in terms of bridging the gap between you know today's world where you know shoes are fashionable um, and also usually required in the workplace, mm. um, and bridging that gap between there and our sort of our ancestors or our you know ancient physiology, how do we go about? Yeah, beginning to bridge that gap in terms of shoes. You know, is there a shoe hierarchy, um, or are there things we can do, you know, at lunchtime or at home to stimulate our feet in different ways, um, or maybe start to, you know, bridge that gap? What do you, what's your approach there? Um, so yeah, you're right. Like shoes are a part of our world. We're not going to get rid of shoes, and you know, I don't expect to get rid of shoes. It's not my goal. Um, I think part of bridging the gap is, well, ideally if we can long, you know, or short term, but over a longer period of time, change what the footwear companies are putting out 
that would be the optimal, but yeah. we start reducing heel height in shoes, making wider toe boxes, having less cushioning, you know, all these features that change posture. Yeah. If the general public starts to um, want less of those features because they understand the benefits of um, what they actually need, then I think the footwear industry will start to change because they'll react to what people want to buy. It's like yeah. food now. You know, there's obviously been a big push towards, um, I guess, like the paleo-type um, diet or paleo-ish type diet. So yeah. now, you know, on the like a couple of years ago, kombucha, what yeah. the hell was that, right? And yeah. now, <laughs> like, you can get it at the local um, yeah. service station. It's everywhere, yeah. It's like people have sort of realized that, oh, this is, you know, good for you and they kind of there's a reason why you have it and they want it so now people make it yeah the same consumer driven yeah right so that's kind of why in my early days of doing you know barefoot podiatry and the barefoot movement i was i was talking to like other podiatrists and um even like footwear reps and just getting nowhere i was actually getting a lot of backlash from what i was talking about and i kind of realized that or if I can get out and start talking to the public, so I do a lot of you know talks and and even things like you know this podcast, mm. getting out and just trying to create some conversation around yep. footwear yep. and and functional feet. Like it's not just shoes. We do need to train the feet and and train movement patterns, but footwear is a huge driver of changing these patterns. Yeah. So I think the more the public starts to talk about it and understand that you know maybe what we've been led to believe isn't great. quite as good as what yep. we once thought, then, yeah, if that consumer-driven type of practice goes towards more of this barefoot shoe, we're going to have a lot more options available mm-hmm. that will look normal um, and it's going to be like a lot easier to have good footwear yep. you know, at the workplace or at um, sport. So, But until then, yeah, yeah there are some brands out there that, to specialize in minimalist shoes, yeah. so that's an option. But if it's not an option for you, and if you, you know, do have to wear a steel cap work boot, for instance, or a certain type of shoe to work, then it's not ideal, but it's not the end of the world. It's just more important for you to put some practices in place to maintain good foot health and yeah. create that lifestyle of, you know, spending some time barefoot, running through some different exercises that encourage the foot to move yeah. and become strong, but also to connect to the rest of the body. So, Correct. you know, even crawling around on the ground, like bear crawls, bare yeah. feet, fantastic connecting yes. the foot to the hip. So there's yeah. things you can do to bridge the gap. That's but right. optimal is like obviously bare feet or barefoot type of shoes Yep. and and the barefoot um, like movement practices yeah. throughout the the week as well great and actually that leads quite nicely onto michael's question which is mm. um in his eyes being yours uh what would a graded reintroduction to barefoot walking or running look like and are there any specific foot or lower leg exercises that could accompany that process now, you don't have to answer all of that but uh, you could give us a little uh cliff notes version of it or a quick run through <laughs> Yeah, so what was the start of the transitioning to barefoot Yeah, so what would a graded, graded reintroduction look like to barefoot walking from someone who has spent their life in shoes? Yeah, okay. So shoes is the last thing I change generally now yep. with my clients. Okay. Um, I tend to focus more on creating some function and some connection to the foot first. 
Yeah. Um, and then when they're ready or, um, or we'll, you know, we might just start transitioning like earlier, but we, I want to get the foot actually doing some work first. Mm. You know, I feel like ditching the shoes straight away um, isn't, well, it's what I found didn't work for me. Yeah. Right? It was doing some of the corrective sort of exercises that helps bridge that gap a lot quicker and will transition you into barefoot walking or running um, a lot more. I'd probably encourage barefoot walking before barefoot running. It's just yeah. not as stressful on the body. It's a little bit easier to sort of control that movement. Don't do what I do um, and, and walk, uh, you know, 100K walk mostly in bare feet <laughs> straight off the block. <laughs> why not? one way to just throw yourself in the deep end <laughs> destroyed me it's an option probably yeah. the best option, it's an option you could do that yeah <laughs> learn learn the hard way <laughs> um but yeah look otherwise some simple exercises um like two of my favorites and again like normally i look holistically but let's just talk about the feet for, for today's purposes yep um you want to look at mobilizing the the foot and starting to strengthen and control the foot. So two simple ones you can do that, you know, won't cause too much stress and can just start to get some some feedback into the foot is a nice mobilizing one is putting all your fingers between each of your toes. So coming from underneath, if you can, so cross one leg over the other leg, pop all the fingers between toes or just fingertips if your toes are really squashed together. And then... With your other hand, place it on the heel of that foot and then it's like you're wringing the foot out. So take the heel in the opposite direction to the toes and kind of, you know what I mean? So you're sort of twisting the foot on itself. Yep. You know, you'll do that for sort of 30 seconds. Oh, that feels then great. Keep the toe. So for this whole exercise, keep the fingers between the toes. From the heel now with the other hand, let's go to the midfoot. So taking the hand of the midfoot, cupping that, and then still twisting the foot back and forward. So we're just changing the leverage point now, getting those uh, metatarsals to start to unwind. But by having the toes separated, it starts to create more alignment while mobilizing. Mm. Then from that, let's take the toes down, so sort of curl them over down towards the bottom of your foot. Use some of the muscles to help pull those toes down in your feet as well. Then pull the toes back up, so stretching them up towards, you know, your shin. And again, use some of the muscles to help control that movement and then just keep going up and down whilst having those fingers between the toes. And then the last one I like to do is the opposite hand back on the heel and kind of squishing the foot towards each other. So you're pulling both your hands towards each other and then gently apart and then back together and apart and you'll repeat that for sort of 30 seconds or so and then just pull the fingers out of the toes and if you're doing that little routine you know 30 seconds or so of each of those positions you'll spend a good couple of minutes doing that and when you release the fingers from the toes you know you should feel some nice space between the toes the foot should feel almost quite activated Mm. Uh, you go do that on one foot go for a little walk and you should feel a noticeable difference. It should feel like lighter and a little bit more springy just from releasing some of the, the you know, um, joints in the in the mm. foot. Um, the second one that would be from a strengthening point of view, um, oh, which one to give you is 
there's two that I love just from like mm-hmm. a base activation point. Let's do them both. Stop it. There's the short foot exercise, which, you know, and there's studies out there to say that it's not the greatest as far as activating the abductor hallucis muscle, which so this, this exercise helps activate the muscle down the inside of the arch, helps to keep the B-toe in alignment. So it's good if you've got bunions to get this muscle strong. Um, and what you're doing is finding, so foot's flat on the ground, and we're in a seated position to start. You want even pressure under the big toe joint, little toe joint, inside and outside of the heels. We've got four points of contact on the ground. I want you to maintain those four points of contact. Keeping the toes um, sort of straight, so don't scrunch them up. We want to draw the ball of the foot back towards the heel. So you're sort of cupping or doming the foot. And you should start to feel the muscle down the inside becomes, it'll switch on and become a bit ropey almost. You'll feel ropey part up around the side of the big toe. Yeah. That's when that muscle is activated. So hold that for around 10 seconds. And relax, do that on both sides. To progress that, you can go up into just a single leg standing position or double leg mm. standing and activating that. Just with a bit of obviously weight on it then, makes it a bit harder. And then the last one that I'll throw at you guys, just because you're a really good bunch, <laughs> um, <laughs> is I find a lot of people have really weak or dysfunctional tibialis posterior, which runs down the inside of the leg attaches under the arch and helps it's one of the major stabilizers of the foot and thanks to shoes and too much sitting and blah 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 that muscle tends to become quite inactive and leads to more of that flattening of the arch so a great way to not only start to activate and strengthen the muscle but also train the pattern of that muscle is to get into a standing position use the wall for support or a bench for support um placing a, a tennis ball or lacrosse ball between your heels and it's right at the back of the heels. So that little bony bit on the inside of the ankle, make sure the ball's behind that and right down like on the ground. So it's right at the you know bottom back part of the heel, yep. on the inside of the heel and both heels are touching, squeezing the ball. Make sure your toes uh, and, and the ball of your feet are parallel. So bring them even overdo it if you need to. Bring them closer than you think straight just to make sure. Just make sure they're not splayed out and sort of duck-footed where you mm. won't get the same benefits. From there, we're going to do toe-right calf raises, mm. sort of heel raises, but squeezing that ball. So you're squeezing the heel in. So what this does is as you start to wind that big toe up, you're training that muscle to start to lock the foot pull the heels into it towards each other. That's how you lock the foot for propulsion. So training that tibialis posterior muscle, mm-hmm. how to work as part of a movement pattern. Um, and I normally get people to aim for around um, 50 of these every day or every second day, but you can break it up. So, you know, you might do five lots of 10 or some in the morning, some in the night if it's too hard, but that muscle should be firing Five to ten thousand times per day, anyway. Wow! As part yeah. of well, when so you walk, right? That should be yeah, firing and stabilizing sense. the foot. So fifty might seem like a lot, but in the scheme of things, it's yep. kind of nothing. Yeah, you're teaching it to operate, kind of, in its in its realm. Yeah. In its so realm. look, there, there's three. That's great. Right? 
simple ones. Forward to practicing them. Can be quite effective, and you know, I give them to clients all the time. So, great. Hey, thanks, you're getting man. an inside look into my like, yeah. clinical practices. That's great. <laughs> <laughs> um, we've got one more question actually from uh, uh, Tracy, actually, who I mentioned before, mm. and she asked. Um, some people seem to have a very visceral reaction to barefoot walking or running. How do you respond to this or how do you address this? From a nerve point of view? I'm guessing that's what she means, yeah. A visceral in terms of, um, I'm guessing it affects uh, other systems. Yeah. Yeah, okay. I, I haven't really seen, like normally I'll find people, the biggest um, complaint is how, like how it feels, people don't like the sensation yeah. of being barefoot. Yeah. Um, I haven't had too many people or anyone that's had any kind of reaction um, yeah. from like in a negative way as far as um, balance or um, yeah. like any other of the systems, not to say that it won't. Yeah. Um, and I mean, I've worked with people from, you know, from children right through to, I do work with um, some of the seniors groups here yeah. and there tends to always be a more of a positive shift um, in balance and proprioception. Yeah. Could that be but, more related to maybe um, where you introduce them to the barefoot? Like if you throw them straight into barefoot running when they haven't got, uh, you know, they haven't never been wrapped up in shoes their whole life, perhaps the, the response will be more aggressive. Could that be something to consider? Yeah, look, and if you... If you go too hard too soon, even just like barefoot walking as opposed to barefoot running, mm. then you're going to have so different reactions as far as just inflammation in the body because muscles are having to like work harder and they'll yeah. be fatiguing quicker because they haven't potentially done that movement before. Or if you haven't done you know corrective movements first. And you're starting to introduce an unsupported, um, you know, movement pattern that hasn't been retrained. Then things are going to be out of alignment anyway, and that's going to be causing, you know, just drama throughout the body um, from inflammation, which can cause you know increased stress and you know releases different sort of um, hormones as well. So I guess, yeah. And maybe I don't see it as much because I do tend to take that slower approach where yeah. we are retraining the body first and then introducing barefoot practices Yeah. versus just, yeah, great, you've been in shoes. Let's yeah. ditch them today. I'll see you in a month yeah. and we'll see how things have gone. Um, I just don't don't work like that. But, um, yeah, by all means, if, if, if Tracy kind of has um, – if that doesn't quite answer the question, I'd love to <laughs> – to tap into that more and just and yeah maybe I'm just not understanding the question properly but no I think that makes sense I'll uh, I'll, I'll introduce you to our off off air anyway yeah <laughs> you guys cool. have great talks <laughs> sounds good hey um so a take home note so if if everyone were were to apply one thing uh, to create the best version uh, of their feet or to gain better foot function on a daily basis, if they could do one thing or even think about one thing, what would that be? Oh, <laughs> just one? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, you can give me a couple if you want. <laughs> so, look, I think, you know, if if nothing else, 
then just spending you know five minutes a day, ten minutes a day, whatever works for you that doesn't cause pain or discomfort to literally just get your shoes off, you know do those couple of exercises I mentioned before um, and walk around on some different surfaces and some different textures yeah can give your body so much feedback and, and start to create such a conscious awareness of how you're moving that that can be like amazing in itself and and generally start to make you want to learn mm. how to move better because just getting back in touch with nature and connecting to the feeling of again like different textures that under your feet yeah like it's it's so important for so many different reasons from posture right through to um, you know the mental stuff that you were saying, Tracy had mm. spoken about before. Um, but yeah, the key is different textures. Yeah. So you know whether it be putting some pebbles in your garden that you can walk over to create some mobility as well as um, sensation, like sensory mm. feedback. Uh, walking on some grass, some sand, um, some wood. Yeah, you know some carpet, like. Yeah whatever you have around, just try and find at least three different textures that you can just walk around, you know, in that one session just to to get the different feelings and different, um, and different uh, like, not just the texture, even how hard the, the substance that you're walking on is. So, again, grass versus concrete, your body has to react differently. Yeah. So, making your body think and making your brain and feet start to work together again as to, oh, we've changed surface again. Like, yeah. oh, we need to change, you know, how much we're absorbing this shock. Yeah. Um, can be a great way of, you know, not not only being present in the moment as to what your body's doing, but, yes, yeah, such important feedback. Um, yeah. Now that makes sense. Your brain and, brain and foot connection. Beautiful. Thanks again for coming on uh, today, Paul. I think there's a lot of uh, practical tips for the listeners, and I, I certainly enjoyed your, our chats. And you know, we obviously share a lot of uh, similar um, philosophies around movement and uh, and feet as well. So uh, thank you for that. And I will put for all the listeners there. I'll put up some links to all of Paul's material, um, so you can go and check him out there. You can also find him on Facebook and Instagram, where I'll have links to that too. Thanks again, Paul. No, thanks so much. It's been a pleasure. This has been a production of thewellnesscouch.com. Check us out on Facebook and join in the conversation on facebook.com forward slash thewellnesscouch. Subscribe to each show on iTunes and check us out on Twitter. The Wellness Couch, streaming wellness into your lives. Whilst the Wellness Couch presenter endeavor to provide accurate and helpful information to their listeners, these podcasts cannot take into account individual circumstances and are not intended to be a substitute for health and medical advice from a qualified health professional. You should always seek the advice of a qualified health professional before acting on any of the information provided by any of the Wellness Couch podcasts.